how awesome to be together today. And uh, I'm so excited that we get to gather on days like this. Um, I'm, I'm super excited because when you think about it, 2,000 years ago, Jesus rejected the confines of the grave and beat death. He didn't beat death like anti-aging formula, beat death, right? He didn't, he didn't beat death like uh, I'm going to get healthier and kind of like add 10 years to my life or um, fight a sickness that I have. Jesus literally died and rose from the grave. And, when, and there's, been, there's been Easter's where we've reflected on, or even other messages, to kind of describe the what of Easter, and what happened, and is there evidence for it, and all that stuff. But today, I just I want to talk and share just on this, this beautiful assumption we have, this truth that we believe that Jesus did rise from the dead. And we celebrate resurrection every day, but today is Resurrection Sunday. And our world can, get, can beat us up in so many ways, emotionally, um, financially, spiritually, um, at times in just different ways, politically, socially. But today of all days, the theme is that it screams hope into all that. And regardless of what ways that maybe the world around us beats us up or the world around us sometimes feels like it can crush us or overwhelm us, today screams hope into all that. So i got just a question for you as we start off. Who is looking for something fresh and new. Who's looking for something fresh and new? I see some nods. <laughs> uh, a friend of ours, and actually she's, she's in our gathering today, and she's kind of a neighbor because they live in our neighborhood. They posted this, this picture recently of this sprouting up in her garden. Can you guys see that? Like just a little, who like freaks out when they see a little bit of green? So I, I saw that, and I'm like, I sent her a note. I'm like, my, all around my house is just muck. It's like I see nothing. Everything's dead. And how did this green thing come out of the ground for you so early? And it's amazing because when you look at something like that, it just reminds you that spring is here, spring is coming, something fresh and new is coming out of the ground. And ironically enough, it's amazing that it was on a spring morning or in the season of spring that Jesus rose from the grave. There's this great author, his name is Thomas Cahill, and he's written books like How the, How the Irish uh, you know, Saved Civilization and The Gift of the Jews. And in the middle of his trilogy, he wrote this book called uh, The Desire of the Everlasting Hills, The Life and Times Before Jesus. And he describes kind of in his own words, just this brief moment of that morning. He says, the bright April sun must have made vivid the flowing robes and veils of the women, now wild and in full flight, and warmed their arms and faces till they could begin to suspect that something wonderful had happened. Something wonderful had happened. And today we celebrate that something wonderful that happened um, 2,000 years ago. And we celebrate that Easter really did happen, but we don't only celebrate that. There's also a reminder for us that we long for Easter or the resurrection, or the power of it to happen in us, and to happen around us, and to happen in our world. We long for this kind of spring renovation in our hearts and in our lives. There's a family in our church that is going through some kitchen renovations. I'm not going to mention their names, because then you're going to bug them. If you're going through kitchen renovations, I know how that works, right? And um, so they're going through these kitchen renovations, and uh, they had... the. Um, the husband came by our place to pick up their daughter. There was a youth night happening, and, and I can see him in our entrance, eyeing our kitchen, like looking like, what's the deal? Is there any good ideas? I'm like, don't grab ideas from my kitchen. It's my kitchen, but I'm just joking. You can steal the ideas. But really, it's not that great of a kitchen. But, but as, as, as I was talking to them, I recognized like, 
Just the, the details and the process and the mess and the chaos and the design and the vision that goes into this. And I could hear their hearts. They didn't say it outright, but their hearts were saying, we cannot wait for this new kitchen. Like, we cannot wait for this new thing. When I think about themes like that, and I'll share one a little bit later, Easter is this kickoff to God's renovation project. This kickoff to God's renovation project for humanity. And the good news, of course, we know this or have heard it, or even if you're unfamiliar with with church or faith, is that the good news of Easter is that Jesus defeated death, that he transforms lives, and that he sends God's very own spirit to sustain lives, to grow and change and move forward in this new. And Easter was the kickoff. Easter was the start of that renovation project. Easter enables the new to be formed. On Friday night, we walked through, uh, it was Good Friday, and we shared this verse. It was Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, and and it's a really beautiful verse. Paul says this to this this church in the first century, and as he's ending this letter to them, you know, they're dear to his heart. He wants to leave them with something really strong and, and, and core to who they are, and he says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friday, we had a great time together as we reflected on the cross and the death of Christ, but we only reflected on the death of Christ. We only reflected on the sacrifice and the suffering. But Easter is a two-part story. And each part is so powerful and full of hope on its own, Friday and Sunday, death and resurrection. But together, the two parts together are like a catalyst for new life and new creation, death and resurrection So the cross that Jesus inhabited and died on, and yet the empty cross and empty tomb that he left behind. Death and resurrection. And it was in this two-part weekend, this two-part story, this two-part moment of death and resurrection where God addresses the craving of the human heart, your heart and my heart, anybody we lock eyes with. The missing link God addressed, the missing link for a fully human life. The longing for transformation where Jesus not only absorbed, we talked about this Friday, that he absorbed your sin, my sin, the brokenness of the world, but then he defeated it and rose from the grave in resurrection. It's just so powerful when you bring those two themes together. And that's where the new becomes possible. That's where the renovation project for humanity gets kicked into gear. It's not only because Jesus died, but it's because he rose. But here's the problem. I don't know about you or me. I don't know about you, but for me, here's the issue. And maybe it's not the problem, but it's the way we solve the problem. Tell me if you relate to this. We camouflage the old with the new. You ever do that? You camouflage something that's old with new. I, that's me. I, I, I sometimes rush to make the outside look better. Has someone ever kind of, you know, they said, we're coming over in 10 minutes and you just, you throw everything behind your couch, Right? <laughs> Like, they can't see that. So they come in like, yeah, everything's cool, but you know what's behind the couch, right? Um, or someone comes over, they ring your doorbell, but you're wearing the worst old ripped T-shirt. And you're like, they cannot see me like that. So you run into your room and you put on a super nice sweater and they come and see you. And like, nice sweater. They have no clue what's underneath. They would just be mortified to know what you're wearing, right? My daughter, a few weeks ago, she was um, hanging around with some youth at our church, and, and, and there's this trick game that, that you can, you know, people play on you. And if you forget about the trick, because I remember this as a, as a teenager, 
is like someone comes up to you and says, hey, you know, this really cool thing happens to you if, you if you just hold your chin for just a little bit. So just hold it for like 60, already people are smiling, like we know what this is. So my daughter did it. She completely forgot. She's holding her chin and, and she takes her hand off after 60 seconds and there's, it's all black. It's like, it's not going away. It's a bruise. It's just like, you, she can't take it off, but the next day she has to go to school. It's like, what am I going to do? I, oh, she's, she's correcting the story. Anyways, she, she's, <laughs> but she now, you know, she's, she's free, she knows how to use makeup, so she covers it all up, and so it looks better. But I know what's underneath. She knows what's underneath. And for five days, she has to figure out, how am I going to cover this black thing on my chin? And, and, and that's, Julia, you want to come tell the story? You wanna, she's like, oh my gosh, Dad, you messed this up. But we... <laughs> You know what, go and ask her. She'll tell you the real deal. But here's the thing. We love quick fixes on the outside. We love quick fixes on the outside. And we often neglect the deep work that's going on inside of us or that's needed inside of us or that's necessary for us to discover all that God longs for us. But when Paul talks about the cross and the lead up to new creation, he admits that we often like cheap solutions, that we often like outside fixes to our problems. In fact, just after verse 14, in verse 15, he says these words. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. He's speaking to a crowd of people who were living in a, in a, in a, in a region where there was, um, you know, very Jewish at the time. And so this idea of circumcision and uncircumcision was important to them. And Paul is saying, listen, as you've come to Christ, it's not about circumcision or uncircumcision. Because there's these religious people around you that Paul was referring to. They wanted to make sure that the outside was fixed. That the outside looked religious. That the outside looked changed. That something symbolic on the outside said, yes, I'm in, or I'm right, or I'm good, or I'm accepted. They wanted to make sure that the outside fix to their spiritual emptiness maybe could be a help. But it wasn't a help. That was a circumcision was this religious badge at the time, this religious connection, this cosmetic fix for an inner longing. And and I love how Paul continues in verse 15. He says, What counts is new creation. What counts is the new creation. It doesn't matter, it's it's it doesn't mean anything. Circumcision, uncircumcision, these religious badges, these symbols. What matters, Paul says, is new creation. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this in the message. And he says, it is not what you and I do, submit to circumcision, reject circumcision. It is what God is doing, and he is creating something totally new, a free life. But how often do we look for these cosmetic fixes? How often do we look to fix our inner problems by just putting a symbol, a show on the outside by, by having these outer layers, you know, maybe if, the, if a fresh coat goes over this, it's going to be okay. When we know what's under the surface is not okay. Maybe a quick formula that gives us this appearance of new. And it lasts only for so long. But under the surface, often there's brokenness, there's a mess, there's chaos, there's crookedness. Or maybe there's the real motives we have, or the real pain we're struggling with, or the real sin that is harboring in our hearts. And it's, it's unfortunate because we know the world works like this. We know because we, in our relationships, we often try and show something better when we know that there's 
a deficiency in how we're connecting with people. Or we know, we, we try and look like something is better at work or at home or maybe in our finances or something, and we know, or maybe even emotionally, and then yet we know this often feels like something's broken. But this, this happens in other ways. Like I remember, you know, it happens with, have you ever bought a car that you, you, you had to inspect? You're like, I should inspect it. It's used, it's five years old, I should check it out. We had bought this car several years ago and we had to inspect it. And I remember going to CAA and they checked it out and the owner was sitting in the, in the, in the lobby just like I was and they come out with the sheet and the guy says to me, and the owner's kind of listening in and he's like, I, did you, you know, your whole, the whole side of the car in the front was, this was in, a, in an accident one time. I'm like, oh, how'd you know that? He goes, well, I got these cameras, these scanners. We can tell with paint jobs. And I'm like, cool. So I look at the owner, and he's like, ah, you know, whatever. He didn't want, he, he, he didn't want to tell me, right? So I'm, so I'm like, can we drop this $1,000? But he says, anyways, the point is, things can be seen. What's beyond the surface? And it happens with people too. And it's funny because we often just settle for cover-ups. We settle for the cover-ups not just in items, but in our lives. And we do it in so many different ways. There was, there was um, several years ago, like six or seven, maybe even now eight or nine years ago, we had to renovate our bathroom. And it was a bathroom on our second floor. And uh, man, it just, like, it, it was beautiful, but for like 1968. Like, you know what I mean? It had sand, a sandy peach bathtub um, and you know, where, and where it's all worn out, kind of like near the drain, and, and it had this vinyl flooring that curled up around the toilet. Like, it was really, it wasn't pretty. It had half a toilet paper roller, you know, so we never really hung the toilet paper. We just left, it was just, it was bad. It was bad. And so this bathroom needed to die. Like, it just needed, needed to die first. And so we, we had to gut it. So I remember, we're like, okay, let's pull out the vinyl. We'll just get to the wood. So we pull out the vinyl. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's carpet under here. And I'm like, we've been using this bathroom for five years with this carpet underneath? What has happened? Anyways, then we pull out the carpet and there's tiles under there. And then we break the tiles and it's two sets of tiles. And we're like, what did they do? This is like 40 years of cover-ups. And, and so it was horrible. And so we's like, we need to kill this bathroom and resurrect it. That's basically what had to happen, and we had to resurrect a new one. And that's really the heartbeat of Easter. Easter is God's, it kicks off God's renovation project. It's not a cosmetic cleanup. It's God's renovation project for the world and for you and me. And it does two things, and we don't have time to go through the whole scriptures, but I just want to point you to two big ideas in the scriptures. One, Easter points us to this new creation, that the scripture points us to something new, God's restoration, full restoration for all of, of creation. And we read this, this longing and this prediction and this, this prophetic call towards the future in the prophets. We read it in the New Testament. We read it in the book of Revelation that God is going to do something new. Now, we live kind of in between this time and that fullness of new time. But God one day will restore all things. And resurrection points to that full project done. But resurrection also points to new creation for you and me. It's for you and me, each of us personally. Resurrection says new is possible for you. I wrote that line and I realized that could be on a commercial, but that's not what I meant it to be. But, but think about it. New is really possible for you and me. The power of resurrection can resurrect us, can change us and transform us when we embrace the resurrected Jesus. Not just 
the fact that resurrection happened, not that it's just a historical moment, not that God did this incredible thing in human history through his son, but when we embrace the resurrected Jesus. That's the beauty of Christianity, that it's not only a future faith, it's a now faith. It's not only a future new, it's a now new for us. The longing for something new is made possible in resurrection. Easter kicks that off and makes this newness or transformation for you and me possible. Jesus, who rose from the grave, wants to live in and through us. Just a few chapters in Galatians earlier, Paul says, and it's Paul's experience, as he comes to know this Christ and comes to experience this Christ and comes to embrace this Christ, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, part one of the story. But Christ lives in me. Part two of the story. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says that he, when he recognized who Jesus was, when he recognized the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus, he realizes it's not, if I really want to embrace what's new, it's no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. He's already talking about what has happened in him. This beautiful truth that Jesus Christ can live in and through us and that we can live this new life, this newness towards this by faith in Jesus, in the Son of God. It's a promise. Even later in scriptures, it's actually all over the scriptures, but here's one verse. First John chapter 5, verse 12 says, whoever has the Son, talking about Jesus, has life. Whoever has the Son has life. And Think about this, though. Paul did something before he started living this new life. Like, before Paul could say, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He, in in a sense, already said it in that verse a little bit. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. He crucified his old self. He allowed his old self to die. He allowed his, his, all the way he, he thought life was about and brought meaning to his life and purpose and any of those expectations is I need to die to that and I need to make a U-turn. And he died to whatever governed his life and began to let Jesus, the resurrected Lord, govern his life. Jesus lead. That's, that's the renovation project. When, when we die to ourselves, die to our sin, die to the things that we, we know are not the life that we long for, and then we allow Jesus to do that, and we realize we cannot achieve something new. This is so important for all of us, but especially if you're here this morning and saying, well, I long for something new. Like we said at the beginning, I long for something fresh. I long for something new. This is so vital. None of us can achieve something new without letting something old die. None of us can achieve or see something new. We don't even, it's not us, ours to achieve, but none of us will, will realize or see this newness come without letting something old die. And new creation requires that. Jesus died on a cross, bore our sin and pain, was buried, and rose from the grave. There was a dying and there was a resurrecting. And as we die to ourselves, then here's the beautiful thing. We trust God. We trust God to bring something new into our lives. I'm going to ask the the team to come up as we slowly, uh, just slowly share a couple more things. And I want to share a story about someone in our church community Super guy, his name is, is John. And um, John has been part of our church community for maybe, 
um, a year and a half or two, maybe a little longer, but has known some people here for longer than that. And um, I've been getting to get to know John and get to hear his story. And he shared just this one slice of his story with me a few months ago, that how his life and relationships several years ago were just not in great shape at all. There was a brokenness. There was um, things just going on in his life and relationships. He, he shared with me some, some of the things that maybe were the cause of that, some of his attitudes, some of his anger, that he didn't even recognize at the time were contributing to this, this breakdown going on in his life. John started to search. John started to pursue faith. He, he only had a glimpse or, or knew of faith from his childhood and especially from his grandmother, but it wasn't relevant to him. It wasn't something he was pursuing personally. So I bumped into John years ago. I think he, he just came by one of our environments in the community, and uh, he has a great heart for the city and urban planning and all that stuff, a great mind that way. And so we got to talking about that stuff. But as he began later to, to connect with Westside and connect with people at Westside and, and join a few group of people that just read through the scriptures, uh, he, he started to really get, get a sense of what God was doing in his life and in his heart. One day we were talking just at the end of a gathering and he just told me, he says, Dave, I was reading Matthew chapter five, this in the gospels, first gospel in the New Testament and Matthew chapter 5 is part of this, this first like, kind of major teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, if you've never read it. And he just said, I, w- I was reading that Gospel because a few of my friends in this group I'm reading the Bible with, they, we were talking about reading it, so I read it on my own this week, and I just, something happened. He said, I realized God was actually speaking to me through the teachings in Matthew 5. And he started to share, like, he said things like, my anger and my attitude, I started to realize they were actually the problem. That these things in my life, inside of me, not my exterior, but my interior were the problem. And, and he started to recognize, he said things like, I, I realized I couldn't renovate my life by myself. I couldn't change this all by myself. And he, as he was reading Matthew 5 and other, as he started to grow, he started to realize, I actually need Jesus to, to live in me. Just like Paul says, that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this gutting process began in his life and in his heart. This gutting process of recognizing the old that's in there that he wants, wanted so much to see transform and change. But it was going to take this gutting process. It's going to take this realization, oh, God is actually speaking to me through his word. Something is happening in me. And he began to this gutting process, this dying process. But in the dying, he also was trusting Jesus. He was also trusting that Jesus was doing something in him and changing him. And he was actually becoming a new person. He died to himself, was dying to some of these things that were governing his life. He began to trust in Jesus as the governor of his life. And this renovation project started to happen in him. It wasn't just a promise on a page in the Bible. It wasn't just something you heard from a stage. It wasn't something, you know, somebody told him at this point. All that was important. But in this moment, in this part of his season, he started to realize this is what I need. And it it was messy. It was slow. And it's still in process. But if you talk to John today, you, you can recognize he has come to recognize and know both the death and resurrection of Jesus and who Jesus is. And this, the renovation project that began at Easter wasn't just a moment in history. It was for him. It was for him. And so as we come to a close this morning, I don't, I don't want you to leave this morning saying, cool, I heard about Easter again. You know, great. I, I, I knew Jesus resurrected from the grave anyways. So I kind of knew how the story ended. 
I don't want you to leave this morning just knowing the story. And I think most of us know the story. Even if not, you're not familiar with church or faith, you've probably come here this morning because there's some sense of that. But my heart is that you would, we would all leave this morning with knowing that the resurrection actually matters for you and for me. That the resurrection actually matters in the world and for the world, but not just for the world, for you and for me. That this newness that we long for, this transformation process has been made available and it got kicked off at the, at the resurrection of Jesus. And when Jesus resurrected from the grave and ascended, he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to help you know and learn and grow and experience and live. So maybe you're here this morning and, and you're already consider yourself a follower of Jesus. Like, well, what do I take with this? And I would say, maybe this is just such an important reminder to you that Easter is not just a day, that resurrection didn't just happen. But it's an opportunity for you because God has something in store for you. Maybe you've come to faith, but you haven't allowed Jesus to to really do a work inside your heart in some of these things you hold back on to let die. And if that's you, I want to just encourage you, take a step fresh of faith today. A step fresh of faith today. And let him show you in these days after Easter of the areas in your life where you still have held on to and you haven't let die. And you're wondering, I want you, I want growth, but it's not happening because you haven't let those things die. And even as a follower of Christ, we at times need to recognize those things that still latch on to us. But maybe you're here today, and maybe it's your first time, or maybe it's just your first time right in this moment as we've been talking about resurrection and Jesus. Maybe it's just the first time for you that you've realized God's getting my attention. God's actually getting my attention today. And you long for something new and you've just realized it today. And for you, I'd encourage you in this next few moments, as, this, as our team uh, sings this song, I want encourage you to take this step of faith today. It really is a step of faith. Even the things we read in the scriptures, they didn't just happen. It was people who took steps of faith to put their trust in Jesus and then they started seeing God work in them in real, tangible ways by putting their faith in Christ. And then after they put their faith in Christ or after we put our faith in Christ, we actually say, Jesus, I want to let you govern my life. I've been governor of my life for far too long. I'm going to let you govern my life. I'm going to let you lead my life. I'm going to let you be the general contractor of the renovation project for me. What you started at Easter, what you kicked off at Easter, what's meant, yes, for the world, yes, for the future, but it's meant for me. Lord, I'm going to let you be the general contractor of this renovation you want to do in my heart. I'm going to trust you with it. It means putting our faith in Christ, recognizing our sin and brokenness and saying, I recognize this is me. This is who I have been or am. And I want to give that to Christ. I want to let that die and put my faith and trust in Jesus. So we're going to take a moment. I just want to pray for you. And if, if, that's, if, if that's you this morning, even making a decision or making a step, I just want to pray for you that you would just get a real sense of who God is. And you'd have the courage to either take a step fresh of faith to allow God the fullness of Christ in your life, even if you've been following him for years, or if you're here today and you're saying, I recognize this, I want something more, I want to pray for you. And then as we move into this last song, I believe the words of this song are just going to help you, all of us, really just affirm what took place at the resurrection for you, for me, for the world. Let's pray.
our Heavenly Father, we come to you just with a humility as we stand and look back at the incredible moment of resurrection. The incredible two-part story of your son's death and resurrection. Part two, part one is he, as he, as he absorbed the sin of the world and laid it upon him for our sake. Oh God, to defeat sin, we say thank you. And part two, as he rose from the grave and defeated sin and death and ultimately took out the obstacles for any of us, for all of us to know you fully, for all of us to be participants in your renovation project. Jesus took care of any obstacles so we could know you and experience life in you. And God, I don't know exactly what's going on in everyone's life in this moment, but Lord, you know. And you know the longing of their heart. You know the longing for either their whole life to be new or parts of their life or areas where they have not allowed you in. So God, for some that are here today and maybe it's either their first time or their first moment of realizing that you love them and you, you long for something deeper and beautiful and true in their hearts, God, in this moment, God, as they step out in faith and say, I trust you, God, may you respond to their call, to their request, to their prayer. And then may they know that he who has or she who has the son has life. Hey, so right now, just before I continue praying, if that's you, just encourage you to make this step of faith, this step of trust, just to literally tell God in your own words, Lord, I want you to do something new in me. And I recognize my sin, my brokenness. I recognize the parts of me that need to die and be gutted out and I long and I trust you to lead my life and to begin this renovation project that's you just tell them those words just tell them those words right now yes God for anyone even in this moment they're reaching out to you God we pray for your revelation your revelation to be so true in them